It's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under 20 demographic. It was a fizzer. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in, like, an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. Well, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Matty C. I'm the host of the show. I am the commissioner of the Astros Fantasy Football League. And also, I'm a card-carrying Sam Donald truther. For God's sake, give me one season where the guy doesn't play like total shit. I believe in you, Sam. You got this, mate. Look, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Astro League Pod. Typical Twitter. Doesn't give you enough characters to say what you need to. Uh, you can also hit us an email. That is AstroLeaguePodcast at gmail.com. But also... There is merch, and merch is the new merch, so find ours. We're at tpublic forward slash Astro League podcast, or you can hit the links in any of the bios of those social media pages. It'll take you straight there, and it's not just podcast merchandise. No, no, no. There's Astro's Gridiron merchandise there, and if you've got any ideas for things that would make a cool Astro's or podcast merch, sing out. We'll see if we can make it happen. Today is a pretty cool episode, but it starts with me looking backwards, and uh, mate, through season one which began in July last year. We've been through over 100 episodes in that first series of the Astro League podcast. And given the time of year, I just thought I should quickly touch on a couple of old episodes. Because firstly, there's episodes where we meet all the owners from the league. And that's 15 dudes not named Matty C. Uh, We run a 16-team fantasy league, and it's made up of dudes, some who used to play for the Astros, like me. Uh, Some are friends of players. And there's also some guys who more recently have come in because they're friends of Astros fantasy football players. So, over time, it's become maybe a bit less about the actual football team. But it's the one thing that really does connect all of us. And it has turned it into a super competitive fantasy league, too. So, it's got some quirks about it and how it runs. Because, you know, you've got to consider how do you keep 16 teams all competitive, given the humongous size. 16 teams is a lot. We have then over time had to nip and tuck and make our own little scoring adjustments to keep the thing running. And I'm going to give a breakdown of how we run it because even in this offseason, we've got a couple of changes. So to kick it off, we run a half PPR. PPR, that is points per reception. And reception is the fancy French way of saying catching a pass. And (laughs) if you're like me, uh, when I was a player for the Astros and you catch a ball, which was not a lot, even though I was a wide receiver, I did catch some balls. Um, What we're saying here is just the act of catching it will get you half a point. Any yards you make from it too will give you a tenth of a point for every yard. So the idea is you get a full point every tenth yard. And then, uh, so a 10 yard catch is, you know, one and a half points. Fantastic. Uh, But then also a touchdown is worth six. And that's true for people who catch or run in touchdowns. One thing that is important is that quarterbacks 
They throw a lot of touchdowns. And in our league, we give you six points for that, where most leagues, four points will be standard for a quarterback passing a touchdown. And we also give those volume passes a bit of a bump. So if your QB can chuck for 300 yards, we're going to give him a bonus point. And if, in fact, they can go further and they can get to the 400-yard milestone, we're going to give them an extra point for that too. And the reason for that is it just helps take away some of the, you know, absolute super powering that running quarterbacks get because you get a point for 25 yards of passing, you get a point for 10 yards of rushing. So all of a sudden, these rushing quarterbacks are super, super valuable. Most leagues as well will give you four points for a standard passing touchdown and six points for a standard rushing touchdown. So those rushing quarterbacks who can score a touchdown with their legs, <coughs> Cam Newton, um, for the longest time has been one of those. And it just means that, you know, fellows like Jared Goff, who is so unlikely to do that, but can throw for 300 yards and a couple of passing touchdowns. It, it helps a guy like that be a worthwhile asset in a 16-team league. The other things that we do here is we don't just have the PPR bonus for runners and receivers, and we don't just have them getting six-point touchdowns. We also give them a bonus point if they can rack up 100 yards of rushing or receiving. So if you can do both on the same day, you're going to get a bonus point for each. And also means some of these volume catchers who don't score a lot of touchdowns can still give you a little bit of a bump. This year, we also tweaked kicker scoring. For the first time, uh, we have never broken away from standard kicker scoring where extra points were worth one and any field goal was worth three points. Unless it was from over 50, then it was worth five. And what we've done here is we've given the extra point a bump. We've doubled it. It's now worth two points, which is kind of cool. So all of a sudden, your kicker will be contributing something to your lineup instead of, you know, between five and eight points a week, unless they do something really magic. All of a sudden, now you can bank on a better steady floor of points from them. And maybe the crazy high ceilings are a little, you know, maybe they're a little more tempered now. Because what we've also done is separated any kick up to 40 yards is still going to be three points. But from 40 to 49, we're going to give you an extra point for that. Make that a four point kick. And then from 50 and up, five-point kick. That's all our scoring. Everything else is standard. If I haven't mentioned it today, it is standard. Now, the other thing, looking backwards here, we ran a bunch of episodes uh, on all different stuff. And we ran episodes from how to pick out differences in rules between amateur football and the NFL. No doubt a bunch of folks will know a bit about that too from having played locally in the ACTGL or in other places. Uh, but it is handy to know if you haven't. Also, how college football works. And we got our big college fan from our league coach, Ryan Van Englen, the Cornhuskers man, to come in and explain all that and how the systems work and why they work the way they work. We also looked into Dynasty League Fantasy Football, where you only draft rookies. Uh, and we did that with our mate, Marky Mark, who was the owner of the Going for Tour team in our league. Crazy big Dolphins fan. But we also had my buddy from the US, Mr. Evan Flay, come through and talk a bunch about that because he is right into his rookie scouting. And as a fitness coach, he's a good guy to talk about combine stats. Uh, he just became a first-time dad this week too. So humongous congrats to you, Evan, and Corey, and to your young fellow who's also going to grow up to be a horrible dynasty fantasy football player like you, mate. Congratulations. <laughs> we also ran a four-part series on how to start playing fantasy if you're a beginner. And I think this is a big one because obviously while we're doing a bit more with the local league, we're having folks come past the show who haven't come past before. And we're a fantasy football show. We're not necessarily a local gridiron show. So if you're stopping by, uh, we're going to talk a lot of fantasy. And if you've never played before, this could be the chance. All these teams are trying to recruit players. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to recruit fantasy players for our league, but I'm always trying to recruit people to play fantasy because it is a bunch of fun. And the three skills you need is to be able to count to understand a little bit about how NFL works and to have a desire to crush the dreams of the people in your life. So if you've got those three things, find that four-part series on fantasy football for beginners. We ran them in March, but we also ran the same episodes again in June. They're back in the history from season one. Go find them. Every podcatcher, it could be on Spotify, it could be on Apple Podcasts, it doesn't matter. Stitcher, 
Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on all of them. Now to look forward, there are new episodes on the way. We have our own Astro League Fantasy Football Draft happening on August the 29th. Watch this space, though, because there'll be more news about location, time, how to access it for online participation, if we can even do it in person, given the ACT just locked down this week. Also through Messenger and Facebook, all that information is going to come out there. We also talk more about uh, what happens in the local gridiron scene here because, I mean, we brushed over real quick with Scuba Steve. We had a great talk to Jay Ray from the Gungalan Wolves, but we're also going to go back in and talk to Petr Stozik from the Glads and, and also I've got Dave Howden going to come and talk from the Centurions. Such a great lead. Thank you, Jay Ray, for giving me that lead and thank you for reaching out, Dave. Now, let's also not neglect our own. We've had the champion of the universe, Scuba Steve, come by. I just mentioned him. And I'm actually really looking forward to his taunting, jeering, general lording over us of his temporary status. And, and you know what? Fair enough. If you're going to be master of a teeny tiny universe like the Astro League Fantasy League, um, I mean, it's 16 teams and it's a hard league, but I mean, it's only 16 people. I mean, about that many people have been on the moon. So, it's you know, whatever. I will be talking to more lads from within the ranks in our league. And I've already actually squared away some time with Mr... I can't win in the playoffs, even though I can win plenty in the regular season, unless it's against Jackal. Um, you know, that's a real mouthful, though, so we just call him Adam. But <laughs> Mr. O'Grady will come through. You know, when he joined three seasons ago, he won his first seven games in his debut season. At the time, it was the longest streak to start a regular season in history. Uh, he finished as the two seed that year, and then in the most recent two years, he's finished as the strong wild card, the fifth seed. So he's made playoff runs in all those seasons and then completely bottled it once he'd gone into the playoffs. Hasn't won a playoff game. Here's Andy Dalton in prime time when the playoffs starts. So uh, Mr. Adam Dalton, uh, we're going to have him on and we're going to hang a bunch of shit on him. Uh, but, but now this show. Let's talk about this show because this one is a really fun set of subjects and a lot of it comes from you guys in the league, the owners. Okay, let's unveil it. We're talking divisions, and oh man, I've got a lot to say about divisions. Let's fire it up. In layman's terms, your asshole is going to look like the Grand Canyon after this week. These, these are my people, and that's how I treat them. You know, Brett's yeah. like, all right, I'll go play for the fucking Jets or whatever. What do you mean they're not just out there going, give us crude stuff? Matt, my answer is going to be hurtful to you. Do so we, <laughs> we have a drop for that? I'm a typical, probably obnoxious American. Okay, so let's kick it off. The way our league works. The guys in the league know this. We're 16 teams. We try to mirror the NFL setup as much as possible. We've got four divisions. All the winners of those divisions will go through to the playoffs. The next two best records who didn't win a division will go through as wild cards, yada, yada, right? So it's that old playoff structure. But one thing we also borrowed from the NFL was that we started to use an, a, a structure where you play your division twice. So the six games against the people you're fighting with for a playoff spot to, to try and win that division. It's the only way you can be guaranteed to make the playoffs. And we decided to use an out-than-in schedule where the first three weeks of the regular season and the last three weeks of the regular season are where those games happen. So it's a chance to pull away from your division early. And at the end of the season too, it's a real chance to either um, assert your dominance or if you are having a bit of a struggle that year, it is also the chance to completely shatter the dreams and completely alter the course of the other teams in your division, even if you're not having a good year. Uh, until this year, we had a 13-week season, but with the NFL adding an extra week, and now they're going to play through to week 18, we're going to play fantasy through week 17, and NFL fantasy doesn't really give you any option for this. It's pretty well said, unless you want to expand your playoffs out to extra weeks, the extra week is going to become a regular season game. So this year, we're going to have 14 regular season games, guys. But what this means here is that uh, it, it means there's one less of the games that you're playing in the season are going to be games against your divisional opponents. So instead of it being six in division, seven out, it's going to be six in division, eight out. 
I mean, I don't think it takes anything away from the importance of those last three games because it really is a chance for you to screw up other people's ambitions, whether it is because you squash them on the way to your playoff run or if you completely fuck theirs up by, you know, defeating the team who, you know, is probably maybe still going to win the division, but all of a sudden it stops them being the two seed and it makes them the four seed and it makes their path a bit harder. All those things are really, really helpful to know and, and know that you've got influence over. I mean, our league is not easy. And while you and your lineup start nine guys every week and you need to sell things like injury and bye weeks and suspensions and COVID um, with just four bench spots, it means that, you know, there's just so many things that can happen and you've got a lot of sway in the course of your future and also the future of your cellmates all being uh, sort of handled in these pressure-filled three weeks on your way in and out. So, you know, you better know your enemy. And I thought it was time we looked at the all-time head-to-head stats for all the matchups that we're going to get a double dose of this season. And I think we should start with our handsome and gracious champion, the Fairweather fan, who's now a Chiefs guy when he used to be Patriots guy, Mr. Scuba Steve, and his team, $10 Booker. Now, he didn't just win last year. He actually had found a path to the 2020 Grand Final way back when. It was in black and white TV, back when there was only like five channels, and uh, it was one of the things you could watch. Uh, But he lost to Brendock's Birdman by one point. One point. It's our closest Grand Final ever. Not so on the second trip. He he managed to completely crush the shit out of Tony, which was fantastic. Is he going to be able to navigate this group of death? Have a look at the group uh, to kick it off. It's the Astro League East is what we're calling it. And there's him, Scuba Steve. Uh, He is going to have Adam from the Queensland football team, myself, the Carabao Kings, and uh, Jackal. El Chacal. They're the three divisional rivals. And and here's his record. Against Adam, uh, he's one and two. So, it hasn't met him terribly often, but enough for that to be an interesting little series of matchups. Uh, then he's uh, six and four against me, the Carabao Kings. And against Jackal, get a load of this. The Jackal, he costs all the shit. He's got one of the worst winning percentages and has... Uh, considering how long he's been in the league, some of the least wins, but he's got a winning record against Scuba, which I think is delicious. So, uh, all, all up, you see Scuba, even though he's got a winning record against, you know, me, which is fine, fine, fine. We, we're going to have a really nice set of divisional matchups this year. I'm looking forward to it. And he's sort of one down against both uh, Adam and against Jackal. It means that he leaves uh, all of that history up with a 10-10 and 10 record in this division. 10-10. and 10. So, the champion, only as good as 500 just looking back at his history with these opponents. And then when you have a look at the second seed in the division being Adam, well, okay, so we've just spoken about it. He's got a 2-1 and one against Scuba. And then, oh, one of my shameful moments here. He swept me three times. Three times. I cannot get a lick on this. If only I could meet this guy in the playoffs, that might be different because Adam can't win in the playoffs. But apparently, he's my kryptonite and he's got a 3-0 and o against me. And then he's 2-1 and one against Jackal. So, overall, he's 7-2 and two from nine starts against this division. Uh, looking strong. He is... Absolutely the best winning record of all time in our league, too, at 69%. And here he is, you know, 7-2, and two, so a little bit better than 70%. Then you get me, and of course, let's talk about this. I'm 0-3 against Adam. I'm 4-6 and six against uh, Scuba. Uh, okay, so that is 4-9. and nine. It's not looking good. But then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, 12 seasons of playing in the same league as Jackal has come up, and I'm 9-2 and two against him. Sorry, Jackal. You know how much I love you, mate. Um, but it changes everything, and it makes me 13-11 and 11 in the division by th- thanks to the strength of just having touched up Jackal a bunch. Uh, and now there's no surprises here, because Jackal, look at this. He's 1-2 and two against Adam. Not bad. I mean, to be honest, that, that's not bad. And then 4-3 and three against Scuba. 
I mean, so all of a sudden he's five and five there and looking all right until he gets a two and nine against me. <laughs> and it means that then he's, you know, seven and 14 and it takes being 500 and, and strips away back to being 33%. And, and that is actually a little worse than his all-time win rate, which is a little closer to 40%. Now, okay, so that's the East, the beast of the East. Now, let's uh, have a look at our defeated grand finalist. And we all know this guy, local football royalty and part-time hated Zebra, TC. We really don't miss him living all the way over in the most remote city on earth. He's become a Perthling over there, and I think the 70s have arrived around about the same time as him. So, you know, that shocking haircut he had before he left here would fit right in. He's a two-time grand finalist. Do you know, he won 2016. Do you know that? I mean, if you've stayed in a room with him for more than eight seconds, he's probably told you. And we are likely to never, ever, ever hear the end of it, especially... That part how we started two tight ends for a large part of the season is the first champion to start a tight end in flex. Uh, yeah, you've all heard this story. I don't need to say it. Jesus, help us. But have a look at his division, okay? Because he is in the north. He won that division last year, and he is back to defend it. Squaz, obviously, he's got Pete, the Jiggity Jigs. He's got Justin, the Jizzpots. He's got Kenny, Kenny Horn, the Playmakers. Have a look at this set of records. He's, okay, the two-seater in the division is Justin from the G-Spots. They were second in the South last year with an 8-5 and five record. First trip to the playoffs for him. TC, 3-2. and two. So, that's a nice, tight, you know, rivalry head-to-head. Lovely. Nice and close. 3-2 and two from five starts. Uh, against Pete, who's the third seed, they've played 12 times because they're both, you know, foundation members from this league. 12 times they've matched up 6-6. Six and six. That's fantastic. And then, of course, Kenny, the other one in the division here, he's a foundation member too. Six and four from their 10 starts. So, overall, TC does not have a losing record against any of them. In fact, his worst is six wins, six losses against Pete. And then he's clearing away by a couple of games on the other guy. So, all in all, 15 and 12. That's fantastic. 27 starts, 15 and 12. Let's have a look at second in the division, Justin and the Jizzpots. He's two and three against Squares, like we just explored there. Against third in the division, which is Jiggity Jigs, he's two and three as well. And then against Kenny, who had a rough season last year, two and three as well. So he's six and nine. That's kind of about 40% roughly. So, you know, he's uh, that's a little worse, I think, than his regular season winning rate. And um, I, I think that means that he's got a, a chance to regress upwards here. And then... Third team in the division is Pete. We talked about how he's 6-6 six and six with TC all-time. Those guys have played a million times. And then he's 3-2 and two against Justin. But check this out. He's 5-7 and seven from 12 starts against Playmaker. So, look, essentially, that's just one win away from being 6-6 six and because six, you win one and it takes away one of the losses. He's very, very close to being 500 against this division. Uh, it means all up, he's 11-15. and 15. All up, he's 14 and 15. So, you know, that is super tight. Super, super tight. Last place in the division, because someone has to come fourth in every division, and sadly, last year, it was Ken and the Playmaker side. And, I mean, I think these guys were super unlucky. They didn't win enough games early in the season before they really got screwed with injury and COVID. And then by the end of the season, his team had fallen apart a bit, and it was just not winning games because of that. But early on, when his team was together and scoring points, he still wasn't winning enough games, which just frustrated the hell out of me watching it, Kenny. You better believe it. And we need to get you back on to talk more about your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
But have a look at your season. You've got, uh, obviously, we just talked about how you're four and six against TC. And again, that's one win. You know, otherwise, that could be five and five. You've got a seven to five record against Pete. And, you know, if you can press that home, you might have a couple of wins there. And then three and two against Justin and the Jizzpots. All of a sudden, have a look at this. You're 14 and 13. You've got a winning record against the division and it gives you hope. It springs eternal, mate. You and TC could be top of this division. <laughs> we'll see how it all goes. But that, my friends, is the North Division. And uh, and I think, again, look, everyone's really close in that division. So, we've covered the grand finalists. Let's have a quick look at who our number one seed, our number one seed last year came from the Wild West, or I'm saying the formerly Wild West. It's funny as heck that Seahorse called this. It, last year, literally a day after the draft, he and I got on the phone and we talked and we kept it as an episode to, to publish it. And there he is saying, oh, the West will be strong. Oh, the West will be so strong. And it turns out, all season long, he was right. 13 weeks of the season, the West provided 13 number one seeds. And in fact, Seahorse himself was responsible for 12 of those 13 number one seeds. The only other week, it wasn't him. It was Pete. How terrific. Before his team absolutely fell into the icy water of the cracking lake. <laughs> he, he had this beautiful description about what it was like skating across a lake and then hearing the cracks and then falling in. And I just, I will never be able to get that image out of my mind. And that's exactly what happened to Pete's team. Anyhow, anyhow, Seahorse is going to be working his skinny aquatic birth canal off trying to keep this mob of rivals away from him because have a look at his division this year. Over in the West, he's got Cornhuskers, Ryan, two grand finals, have a look at his record against uh, Ola Khan Space Pirates. He's, he's 0-3, so, so Seahorse is swept in 3-0. and uh, I don't know that that will continue because what we know about Coach Ryan is that it, it's an odd year. So, he makes a playoff every time it's an odd year and every time it's an even year, he misses. It is one of these things you can set your watch to it, uh, death, taxes, and Ryan making the playoffs in odd-numbered years. The other teams in the division here are Brendox Birdman, who only the winningest team ever, only the most playoff wins ever, only tied for the most championships ever. Uh, turns out Seahorse is his kryptonite as well. 2-0 from two meetings. All of a sudden, we've got Seahorse. He's 5-0 from those two opponents who are big-hitting opponents. I mean, these two guys, they're, they're two of like the top four winningest coaches of all time in our league. But then have a look at this. He's got Tua going for Tua in the same division, which is Marky Mark's team. And he's never beaten him, 0-2. So, he gets to 5-2 and two after that really solid start. But, I mean, that's still pretty great. That's, that's uh, something in the range of about a 75% win rate. Obviously, we were just talking about how Coach Ryan, Cornhuskers, has the 0-3 start against Seahorse's team there. But have a look at the rest of this division. He's 3-5 and five against Brendan. So, now he's 3-8 and eight when you combine those. And then he's 3-3 three and three against Mark. So, now, overall, he's only 6-11 and 11. Oh, man, you've got to imagine that just given that he's one of the more winning and has one of the higher win rates, it's likely he's going to turn some of this around. But uh, how many other opponents could you put him against where he doesn't have a better than 500 record against anyone in his division? This has got to be one of those really rare opportunities where that happens. And then have a go at this. So, Brendan, winningest of all time, second best win rate of all time. He's a foundation member, so he's got the biggest sample size to work with. Most playoff wins, equal most championships. But we just talked about it. He's 0-2 against Ola Khan Space Pirates, which is Seahorse's team. He's 5-3 and against the Cornhuskers, so that makes him 5-5. Five and five. He's, he's an average player at this point. And then he's 3-3 three and three against Mark, going for Tua. So it turns out, overall, he's 8-8 eight eight against this division. There's so few divisions that Brendan would be 500 against. I love how these divisions have shaken out this year. It's just so bizarre. And then have a look down the bottom here. You've got Marky Mark, who we just talked about. He's 2-0 and against 
Seahorse, who's, you know, blitzing everybody. He's 3-3 three and three against both Cornhuskers and BJ in the Birdmen's side. So it turns out Mark is 7... No, sorry. Mark is 8-6 and six in this division. This is absurd. That's like, and they can't all continue to be, you know, I just don't know that two of the winningest teams ever can remain unsuccessful. But also, you look at these other strong teams and you go, well, why wouldn't they stay successful? But people have to be winning and losing in here. And that's, I think, going to be the epic to and fro in the West. And it may well be a really wild West again this year. In summary here, we've got the South, and it's home of our number two overall seed last year, which was Jolio DiCaprio. Now, Jolio had not been to the playoffs since 2015. The Struggle Town Sausage Dog were vanquished by uh, Brendox Birdman in a semi-final on Brendox's way to a second championship. It had been a long wait, too, uh, because when he finally got back into the finals... Yeah, he got swept aside in a semi-final by the team who went on to win the championship, Scuba. So, I mean, the poor guy, he had to wait five seasons only to come back in and get blasted away by Team of Destiny again, which is exactly what happened to him last time. But we wonder, can he get back into the playoffs again, trying to navigate this division? Have a look at the South. He's got Tim Tim, Canberra Crusaders. He's got Vinegar Strokes, which is Taylor, and he's got Gnomes, Jerry. Have a look at his record against these. Jolio, 4-5 and five against Tim's Canberra Crusaders team. And that's okay. I mean, so it's pretty close. He's 2-4 and four against Taylor, so he's only a win away from 500 there. And then he's 6-4 and four against Jerry, so he's only a win away from 500 there. And overall, it means that he is 12-13 and 13 in the division. Yeah, so only a peck under 500. Then you got Jerry, who is the second seed in this division. He is 4-6 and six against... Jolio's team, like we just discussed, but he's four and four against Tim, and then four and two against Taylor and the Vinegar Strokes. So he's got four wins against everyone. He's got twelve wins, but then with six losses, four losses, two losses, he's got twelve losses as well. He's five hundred. So now you've got a twelve and thirteen, a twelve and twelve. The third seed in this division is the Canberra Crusaders. Now Tim, Tim, we're talking about how he is five and four against the Struggle Town. We're talking about how he's four and four against Jerry. Mm, he's only one and four against Taylor. So that really ruins his percentage. He goes from being a game up to being like three games behind. But finally, he's got four losses <laughs> to everybody in the division. So he's got 12 losses, but he's only got 10 wins. So 10 and 12. Last team in the division, I think he was the most entertaining last place I've ever seen. Taylor had more trades himself than used to be the league record for a season. Uh, so, you know, how about that? He was a mover, a shaker, and, you know, I, I was pretty interested watching him go, but have a look at this. He's 4-2 and two against the Struggle Town team who won the South last year. He's 4-1 and one against Tim. So, there you go. He's 8-3. Uh, well, he's actually, he, he's he's 2-4 and four against Jerry and the Gnomes, and that does dint him a bit. It finishes him up at 10-7 and seven in the division, but he is the only team in the division with a positive record. So, again, there's a lot of intrigue and interest about what's going to happen in this division. I don't know that there's a division that is boring this year. I mean, the great thing is everybody is so competitive and there's so few teams with terrible records that I just don't know that you can count anyone out in any of these divisions. And I'm hoping that that was an interesting little exercise to do. You watch Captain Morgan, Melvin Gordon, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, just to name a few. These are Taylor's boys. These are not only his husband, but his best man at his wedding, I think. The pickup of Justin Sherbert not only gave me some light at the end of the tunnel, but a soulmate to spend the rest of my life with. We're all here for a good time, not a long time. All right, here's the time to wrap it up. This is the last bit. I mean, so last episode we talked about playoffs and then we've stripped it back one step from being in the postseason to just getting results and looking in your division. And, and now this third segment here, I'm looking at 
well, what's how do you get those results? You score points, right? And I mean, what we know about fantasy is that it's a game where you need to minimize risk on a weekly basis in an attempt to outscore just one opponent, right? The classic case of if you're being chased through the jungle by a lion, you don't need to outrun the lion. You've just got to outrun the slowest person, right? And that's exactly what it's like in fantasy every week. You're not trying to get the highest score in fantasy every week. You're just trying to outscore the one person you're against every single week. And if you can't do it, just make sure that it's early in the season because you don't want to do that in the playoffs. The cool thing is we've got enough data now to show some trends and really to speak about what your score can mean. And what it led me to do, and I've been doing this now, tracking this since 2016, is I've been looking at every single year how many times a team scores over 100 points and what happens when a team scores over 100 points. So, it started in 2016 and uh, in that year there was 86 times where teams scored over 100 points and 71 of them won. 71 and 15 was the record and that's 82% of the time. Not bad. The following year, the incidents dropped a little bit from 86 to 74 and from those 74 games, 63 and 11 was the record of teams who scored 100 or more points. And then we kind of tweaked scoring a little bit again and all of a sudden, there was 111 incidences. It jumped by like 35 times and uh, all of a sudden you had 81 teams winning when in previous years we barely had that many teams scoring 100 points. You had 81 winners and 30 losers scoring 100 points. So, that's 73%. It really tailed away from being 82 and 85, then it's down to 73. But these last two years have been much more stable. Check this out. 2019, 98 times teams scored 100 or more. The record, 78 and 20. Last year, flush on 100 times in the regular season, 80 to 20. So, in the last two years, there's been sort of a 79.8 and 80% win rate. And it means just overall, from these 469 times that teams have scored 100 over this five-year stretch, that we've got 373 to 96. And that works out at about 80%. So, the overall trend is dead in line with what we've seen the last two years. So, 100, well, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to win four out of five times. What happens if you can get more than that? What I did then was look at the next bracket. What happens if you score 110 points or more? Now, this has significantly reduced the number. You go from 469 times down to 294 times. So, it strips about a third of them away. And the record here gets really pointy. 265 wins, 29 losses. And it goes through this weird fluctuation. The first time round, we, we tracked this in 2016, the record was 48 and 3 if you scored 110 points. The next year, 43 and 3. So, you know, fairly stable, 94%. The next year, it was 93%. Then all of a sudden, the incidences ballooned. It went from having sort of 50 times a year to having 75. So, it grew by 50%. And all of a sudden, you had 66 and 10 record for getting 110 points. It was just this weird thing where scoring just ballooned. And all of a sudden, the percentage chance of you winning with 110 points just dropped from that 93 to 94 sort of range down to 87. I mean, still, still pretty high, but it's just kind of weird that all of a sudden, you know, there was just this 10% less chance that you were going to win by scoring the exact same amount of points. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we saw this regression uh, back down to, you know, the, there was only 54 incidences at all in 2019. When the year before, there'd been 66 winners of scores with 110. Now, next year, there's only 54 times that even happens. But it got far pointier. It was 51 to 3, and that was 94% again. So, all of a sudden, 2018 is this weird anomaly. But hold my beer, said 2020. All of a sudden, you've got another jump in incidents, and it goes up to 67 times again. The record for teams who score 110 points is 57 and 10. 
and it dilutes your chance of winning again down to 85% again. So, we've got these two years where the chance is like 85, 86%, and every other year, it's in the 94 range. So, goodness knows what it's going to be this year, but it's definitely not nearly as stable as the bigger sample size of 100. All right. So, then all of a sudden, there was this explosion of points in 2018, and, and I didn't track it then, but 2019 and 2020, I did. I tracked what happens if then you go 10 points higher and you've got 120 points or more. And it, I took the same data field. I went back to 2016. And in 2016, uh, yeah, it, I'll, I'll talk about 2016 in a second. In fact, I want to frame it this way. To score 120 points in this, you know, stretch of all these seasons, uh, it happened 160 times, 154 wins and six losses. And that's a 96.5% clip. In 2016, undefeated if you score 120 points, 26-0. The next season, 2017, 18-1. Wow, 44-1 over two seasons. Like, that is solid as. And then 2018, all of a sudden, there's this explosion. You go from having sort of 45 incidences in two years to having 43 in the one year. And the record from that is 40-3. and three. So, all of a sudden, you go from like this almost never losing to, oh, it's 93%. All of a sudden, there's a 7% ding in scoring 120 points when, you know, it had happened once in all of history before that. Then in 2019, the incidence drops away a little bit, back to 34 incidences from 43, and, and the record's 33-1. and one. And then last year, it was Jackal. It was 37-1, and one, and our one loss was Jackal. He scored like 135 points, and, and it was just, you know, again, just bunts up against the team. He puts up 150, and it might have been Justin and the jizz pots. Uh, and you feel bad because poor old Jackal, um, he finally has something fantastic happen to him. And, uh, and look at that, he's the only loss in the whole year. But this spurred me on again. Instead of having to just settle for this like 96.5% clip of winning uh, when you score 120 points or more and knowing that really there's never been a season where it's less than 93%, uh, what happens when you go 10 points higher? Because this is happening more and more. We've got 86 incidences of going from 130 and above where, you know, we had 160 if you only scored 120 points. So, it almost halves the field. And you go from being 17-0 and 0 in 2016 to another 6-0 in 2017. So, all of a sudden, we've got 23-0 through the first two seasons of it. And then, bang, in 2018, we have 22 instances. It just doubles what we had in two years. We get that in a year the next year. And, and the record there is 20-2. And then in 2019, we see the incidents drop again at 17 and 0. And then last year, of course, it was the Jackal incident, 23 and 1. But 23 and 1. So again, we see this burst in scoring again last year of teams putting up high highs. And, and it's just really interesting to see because the incidence of teams scoring 100 or more was so stable, but the high highs, we've got so many more of the high highs last year, um, given that, you know, 130 points or more happened 24 times when the year before that happened 17 times uh, and you look at what it's like for teams to cross a much lower threshold 100 and that was so static now the other thing that i like to track too and this is just a real quick one is well you know there's only one position in your entire team that you actually get to choose who starts in it and by that i mean everyone else is determined by their position you have to start a quarterback you have to start two running backs you have to start two wide receivers you have to start a tight end but gee you could start a running back tight end or wide receiver in your flex and funnily enough that flexibility is why it's called a flex so we now have six years of historical data on how teams have performed depending on who they started in each position and check this out in running back 
if you start a running back in your flex, it's happened 320 times and it is 168 to 152. It's really even, 52%. In the last couple of years, we've seen running back in flex just go all over the map. It went from 51%, which is pretty close to the nice stretch score in 2016, up to 60% in 2017, dropped to exactly 500 in 2018, and then bumped back up to almost 60% again in 2019. And then last year, last year it was 40%, 25 and 37 from the 62 incidences. And I mean, this is so strange too, because the incidences of having a running back start in flex has been so static as well. It's been between 60 and 70 every year. Never more, never less, never less than 60, never more than 70. It's just a, this wonderfully tight band. And considering you've got 16 teams for, you know, 13 games, starting some option in your flex for there to be such a, a consistent flow of how many of them are running backs is quite interesting. But for the result to be so varied. Then at tight end, which is by far the more, I think it is definitely fair to say, is the rarer move. Uh, in 2016, it happened 11 times. 2017, only nine times. And we saw in 2018, 13 times. 2019, it dropped back to 10. And then last year, it was 11. So it works out 54 over five years means around about between 10 and 11 times a year. And it's been all over the map. You go from sort of being 45% the first couple of years to bottoming out at 30%, four and nine from the 13 starts when it was at its most popular in 2018. And then it goes to being flat 500, five and five in 2019. And then last year, the 11 incidences saw it be six and five. So it's, there's this one year which really bottoms out the starts, but otherwise you win as much as you don't when you've got a tight end in the flex. It just, it really does mean that if you've got two players who are, at starting level in flex, it really does minimize how many options that you've got. If one of those people who's at starting level in flex is a second tight end, you're really almost better trying to find a team who don't have a serviceable tight end and trying to get something worthwhile out of them. Because if you do have a player who's at that level, it really takes away your options. Booty skin Cam Noon. Jameis Winston. Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook or something. I don't know. Chris Godwin and my third round pick. Duke Adonis Johnson. The Saints defense, 15. I mentioned Lock and Went because I felt like I had to do something on this podcast. The American ones and the, the Australian ones. All right, I think that is enough of the fantasy football for nerds episode that I've just plugged together there. Thank you very, very much for anybody who has stuck with all of that and for getting through it. I don't know how many cups of coffee or, you know, how much riddling you had to take to pay attention. I, I just don't even know. Uh, I'm really, really uh, glad that you've stayed with me, stuck through it. It's a data nerd's heaven. So, th- thank you again. Uh, I'm going to get out of here, but I need to do the general plug of where you get everything again. Because I know in the time since we started, everyone's tuned out. And this is the way to shake it back up. Pull the string on my back and let's go. My name is Matty C. I'm the host of the show. Thank you for joining me. I'm the commissioner of the league. I am... An absolute data nerd, and I'm glad that you stuck with me for this. You can find our show on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Astro League Pod. Of course, our email address, if you want to drop us a line or send us anything, is Astro League Podcast at gmail.com. But check out the merch store, tpublic forward slash Astro League Podcast. Hit the links in the bios of any of the social media pages to get to the same place. But we've got podcast stuff up there, and we've got Astro's Gridiron stuff up there. So if you've got an idea for something you'd like to see Astro's Gridiron logoed and merched up, let us know, because we've got by far more podcast stuff up there than we do gridiron stuff but it would be cool 
and nostalgic to get the gridiron stuff up there. Go and find it and uh, and let me know any suggestions you have through Messenger or through the email address or any of the inboxes on any of the social media. I'm going to get out of here and I'll catch you next week. Good luck in lockdown for anyone who's in Canberra. Stay well. Hooroo! Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Yes. Mm.